Hey, you have your Bibles. Um, I'm going to ask you to turn to the Gospel of John, and we're going to look at two different uh, verses there in the Gospel of John. First is uh, chapter number 6, John chapter number 6. We have just come through a very strategic and important season in our lives and in this country and in this world. Yes, the C word, COVID-19. We don't say that C word any very much around here, do we? But we're doing it today. I just want to give a, uh, not a word of prophecy, but just what I think is going to happen. Some of you guys, if you're in your 20s, you're in your, uh, be honest, you're in church. If you're in your 20s, raise your hand. Awesome. If you're in your 30s, raise your hand. All right, great. This is what I predict. It's not a prophecy. I'm just predicting it's what I think is going to happen. Your grandchildren, right there, your mind just went, one day, your grandchildren will be in school and the teacher will give them an assignment. Go interview somebody old, like in their 60s. Go interview someone old, like your grandparents, and ask them, what it was like to live through COVID-19. That'll be their, their homework assignment. That'll be a project. And if they come to you for that interview, that's good, right? That means you're still kicking. You're still alive. You know, you're still coherent. Still have your mind, you know, that's good. But you know something that would not be good? If, if your grandchild in school were to raise his hand to the teacher and go, you know what? I don't need to go interview grandpa to find out what it was like during COVID-19. He still lives like it's COVID-19. That would be bad. The point is, is that we all go through seasons and times and things in our lives. Sometimes it's individually, sometimes as a family, sometimes as a church, sometimes as a nation, and most recently as a world. We go through things, but we go through things. But sometimes some people get stuck and they just keep rehashing, keep re reliving and just continue to live in that season, even though that season has already passed. There has been a uptick, obviously, in um, um, anxiety and those type of uh, stresses and tensions. Anxiety has been on the rise for the last couple of years. And I certainly by no means want to um, diminish people's suffering because of COVID, those who have lost people either with COVID or truly because of COVID. These are, these are difficult things to deal with. And, and many times we feel like there was a, a, a robbing of the years. So there's no minimization of what people have gone through. Thankfully, though, we are getting stronger and it is getting weaker. And so there's light at the end of the tunnel. Amen? So we, we recognize where we're at, even though there's been true suffering and disruption, not to minimize any of that, but we do also realize the season in which we are coming out of and going into. And so my encouragement to us today is to make that transition out of and into. Now, this anxiety that many people have experienced is not 
the, the big bad thing that a lot of people have made it out to be. Anxiety is, is a buzzword today, and it is not something that we want. It's not something that we desire. It's not something that we should live in. And yet anxiety has a good purpose in our lives. Anxiety is that sense that something is going to happen and I'm not ready and I need to get ready. Okay, uh, if you have a job interview, how many of you'd say, you know, that's, I usually feel a little bit of anxiety when I have a job interview, or I've got, I've got a presentation to make, and I've got to stand up in front of 25 people and make a presentation. There's generally that little bit of anxiety. It's what pastors live with their whole life, because we do that. And so anxiety can be good because it, it, it prompts us to get ready. It prompts us to do something and not just sit back and go, hey, I'm just trusting God. I'm not going to do anything. No, we don't want that. So anxiety is good in the right situation. It's kind of like medicine to the right person in the right hands at the right time for the right reason in the right amount. It's awesome. But used wrongly, it can be devastating and even deadly. So... We look at a time of anxiety that we've just been through, and we've got to realize that we've got to move on into recognizing that things change, and we need to change with it. God is bringing us out of and then into. The real question is not so much our view looking back of what we've been through, but what we need to do is to say, where is God leading us into? We know what we've been through, but what is God leading us into? That, I would say, right now in this season is what is most important. We will never all agree on what we've been through, but what we need to know is where are we going? And that's vital. And that deals with vision. In his book, Atomic Habits, James uh, Clear writes uh, about people with, obviously, atomic habits, good habits, things that, that can bring to accomplishment. He says, first people will begin with the goal of the outcome. They determine what the outcome will be. Let's say you want to run a marathon. Okay, we'll pray for your sanity, but let's just say you want to run a marathon, right? And so that's your goal. That's what you're determining. That's what's going to happen. And then people will then set up a development process to reach that goal. All right, I'm going to start running like five steps today. 10 steps. Okay, we're going to run a block. We're going to run a mile and two miles, five miles, 10 miles, 15 miles, 20, 22 miles. And then we're ready for that marathon. We're going to have to buy 14 different pairs of brand new tennis shoes because we want to wear them out during our practice. But there's, a whole pro there's a whole process leading up to accomplishing that goal. Then once they reach the goal, then they have the identity of the goal. Now you put the little sticker on the back of your car that says what? 26.2 or 1 or whatever it is until I've never run one. Yeah, because now it's like I am a marathoner. I set the goal. I got the process. I did the goal. And now I am the goal. I'm a 26-miler. And, and you claim that. Or there's an Iron Man and all those different things. So you, we reach that. And so God has us constantly saying, okay, where are we going? Where are we headed? Now, there's got to be a process to get there. And he did the same thing with the disciples. He says, I'm, I'm taking you somewhere. I'm, I'm leading you somewhere. And along the way, you're going to face things that you hadn't planned on facing. 
They're going to be difficult. Some of them are going to be awesome and wonderful, and some of them are going to be really difficult and tough, but it's all in the process of getting you ready for what God has in store for you. You're in John chapter number six. You might be there in a real book, or you might be using your phone or your tablet. Either way, you're in John chapter number six. I apologize if when you go to the, to the Bible on your, your device, it's a little slow. We are praying for the service provider that will not be mentioned. And we're, we're praying for them. Okay? Chapter 6, verse 16. Chapter 6, verse 16. When evening came, Jesus' disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake to Capernaum. By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough, and when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. The next day, the crowd stayed on the opposite shore of the lake, realized that only one boat had been there and that Jesus had not entered it with his disciples, but, they had, but that they had gone away alone. And some boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the people had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into boats and went to Capernaum to search for Jesus. It's interesting here that Jesus uh, tells his disciples, get into the boat, go to the other side. He goes to pray. He's doing what he needs to do, and they're doing what they need to do. And yet there's a storm that arises. There's a trouble and a difficulty, but Jesus had said, I want you to go. I've got a plan, I've got a path, I've got a reason I want you to go. There's, there's a reason to be on the other side, but you got to go from here to there. Jesus is where he is supposed to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. The disciples are where they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. But things that are totally out of the control of the disciples come up. And it's in that moment that we've been through in the last couple of years. God says, I want you to go. I want you to trust in me, and I want you to rely on me, and I want you to be obedient to what I've called you to do and be. And yet the storm comes up that they don't understand it and realize have nothing to do with this, no control over. And so they're just doing the best that they possibly can. If you read this, of course, account in other uh, gospels that are written, you can, you can get more of a flavor for it, and you get all the nuances of it. But we recognize that Jesus comes walking on what could have hurt them, walking on top of what was scaring them, the waves, the, 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 the adjustment to the boat of rocking it back and forth. Now, I've never been in a situation quite like that. I, the one time I went deep sea fishing, it was very calm and I was very thankful. I have a little bitty story about a 12-year-old that I was 12 years old. I was in a 17-foot canoe by myself. I weighed 42 pounds. No, I probably weighed more than that. But And I was on a three-acre lake surrounded by lily pads um, in the middle of Florida. 
Alligators, I mean, I'm not exaggerating, alligators, rattlesnakes, and moccasins, those are the three things you really got to watch out for. And I'm in the middle of this lake and a boat, uh, and all of a sudden the wind picks up, and I have no control over this boat. It's 17 feet long. As soon as I get it pointing in the right direction, the wind just takes it right over here and then back. And I blew me right into the lily pads, and I was like, I'm going to get eaten. You know? Now, that's no comparison to what these guys were dealing with. I mean, these guys were like, man, this, this thing is rocking, and we don't know really what's going to happen. We don't know if we're going to go under. We don't know what, what, what is going to happen. And it's in those moments which we have to learn to say, God, you sent me to the other side. I didn't, like, ask. I didn't, like, say, we're going to go to the other side, and we want you to bless that. No, you told me to go to the other side. There's some things that people are dealing with right now that you've got to remember, God has told you to do this. Whatever that is, God's given some instruction to you, and he said, this is the direction I want you to go in. And now the trouble has happened, and the storm has come up, and he's saying to you today, hey, it's, it's still my plan. It's still my plan. Yeah, it's rocky. Yeah, things are, things are rough, but it's still my plan. And that's when we look for Jesus, if you will, walking on the water. We look for Jesus walking on the thing that we're so scared of and, and we're, we're so disrupted by. That very thing, he comes riding to us. He just comes walking to us. And it's, that's in that moment when we're going like, what is that really who I think it is? Is that really what's going down here? I don't get that. I don't understand it. And that's when Jesus says, hey, be at peace. It's okay. It's okay. I've got this. It's going to be fine. But that's also when we as disciples have to say, Lord, I, I welcome you in. See where it says they willingly welcomed him into the boat. Now, this is not you. This is for some other Christian that you know, but this is not for you. There are some Christians that go, you know, we're just, we're just scared to death and all, and we see Jesus, but then we say, you know, he says like, we're good. We'll meet you on the other side. We're good. We got this because we're a bit American, right? We like that independence and that strong, we can get it done. We can conquer everything. That's a great attitude to have, but not when you're in the storm and Jesus is walking on it. That's when you say, please come into my boat. Please come into this, this thing that I'm in because I need you in this boat. And Jesus says, man, that's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for you to just to say, I welcome you into this bankruptcy. I welcome you into this marriage problem. I welcome you into this raising this child. I welcome you into this business that I didn't know the economy was going to do that. But I started this business and now it's like really fragile. I wasn't planning on that. But, Lord, I welcome you into this. I welcome you into this college endeavor that I, you know, four years seem like such a short time. Now it feels like I'm in the middle of it. It feels like an eternity. Lord, I welcome you into this situation. If you turn now to the, the gospel of John chapter 14, if we look over there in chapter 14, one of the um, probably very famous, if you will, you want to call it that, uh, verses that Jesus gives us. John chapter 14, starting at verse number 15. 
He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus recognized that he was in one place at one time here on the earth, and yet he said it's important that I go back so that the Holy Spirit will be sent to you because he's not limited in that way. He's going to be with you wherever you go all the time. Isn't that great? Isn't that just encouraging to us? We've got a God that's with us all the time, the Holy Spirit of God, the advocate who advocates for us. That's what an advocate does. He, they, they, they speak well of, they're, they're advocating for. That's what the Holy Spirit does. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. Verse 20, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me, and I am in you. Man, there is a, a connection and a tightness to the Christian, that the Father is in Christ, Christ is in the Father, Christ is in us, we are in Christ. It's, a, it's an all-encompassing, all-surrounding, so that you may feel like, man, I, I feel like I've been in the boat rocking for two years now, and I'm, I'm just... I guess I'm here to declare today that it's Jesus is with us. He was with us for the last two years. The Holy Spirit is with us for the last two years. But it, during those times, it seems like we're alone. It seems like. And that seems like can cause anxiety to build up. And yet God is saying, no, 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 trust in me. Trust in me. It's going to be fine. Verse 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Look at what happens now. Now, this is Judas, not Iscariot. Verse 22, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, says, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Look at there in verse number 27. This is so powerful. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He said, I've got a, I've got a peace that's not the peace of this world. It's not a circumstantial peace. It is, it is not the feeling that you have when everything's going great. It is the sense that you know even when things are bad. Even when things are like, I don't get this. I didn't cause this. I didn't understand this. But God says, I give you a peace that rides you through those storms. But he's saying, don't stay in the storm. Don't stay there. You got to keep, keep moving on. 
He's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this peace that is not dependent on the circumstances. It is dependent on how much God loves you and how submissive you are to the Holy Spirit and in, in, in keeping with his word. He says, I'm giving you a peace that, that transcends all of that. Paul talked about it in Philippians. We are, have access to the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which guards our hearts and minds in Christ. Therefore, we don't have to be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we make our requests to God. That's when peace comes. Because God says, I'm giving you a peace. In the middle of all the difficulty, I give you peace. But coming out of the difficulty, I give you that peace, and I give you the assurance that I brought you through this for a reason. Now, I want to ask you a question, and certainly I don't know the answer, but I want to ask you a question. What is God leading you into? Again, I don't know the answer to that. But what is God leading you into? You may maybe go back to 2019 or the beginning of 2020 and ask yourself, what was God doing in my life then? What was God telling me then to do? Where, where was I going then? And then this interruption happens. And I would say God's plan is still intact. God still has a call on your life to do what he's called you to do. It's his plans, his life. And so we go back sometimes and we go, well, God put me in the boat to, to go there. There was a storm, but I'm not going to stay in the storm. I'm moving on. When help comes, I'm not going to go, hey, I'm good. No problem. I'll meet you on the other side. I'm welcoming help when I get it. And God is saying, I'm taking you still to the destination that I have planned for you. Sometimes we don't go back before the storm, but right now is when we're so attentive to hear, we're recognizing, God, I don't want to go through that storm again. I don't want to deal with that. God, what do you want me to do? Where am I going? What is the destiny? And God says, all right, come on. See, Jesus took the disciples through that storm. Why? You know, we can't, can't make the mistake of reading that and just going, oh, well, took them through a storm. Okay. God never wastes anything. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a reason. Now, we can also list the things that God actually didn't want us to go through, but because of people's sin, whether ours or someone else's or a combination of all the above, because of sin, this life is disruptive. And you may have gone through some things. You may not have asked for that divorce at all, and yet God will use it for his glory because he's taking you somewhere. And you've made it through the storm. Maybe you didn't say the bankruptcy. I, I don't think that was my fault at all. Or maybe you said, you know what? I was terrible at business and I went into bankruptcy. But God's brought you through it and he's brought you out of it so that you can know what's next. And he says, I'm giving you peace. If you, like me, peace in my life ebbs and flows. Not because it's supposed to, but because it ebbs and flows. I'm learning still how to depend on God and how to trust God. I'm learning how to look at my future and go, Lord, it's in your hands. I'm trusting you, just like you are. We're all learning that at whatever stage and age that we are. Yet God is saying to us, I'm, I'm, I'm taking you out of and into, and I'm going to lead you with my peace. As we gathered for prayer this morning, we, we do that every Sunday before, um, before many people get here and we pray, and we just say, God, what... 
what, do you, what is the word for today? What are you saying? And there was a, one, of, one of the elders said it was, he just felt restoration. There were going to be people restored today. And that just resonated with me, obviously, seeing what I was going to be talking about. That just resonated with me today, restoration. Because God loves to restore, doesn't he? You know, he takes what sin just completely demolishes and messed up, and he goes, that's not a problem. I can take all those break, broken fragments, and I can just mend it back together again. It's going to be awesome and amazing and powerful and mighty and beautiful. He says, that's not a problem for me. I'm restoring. And maybe God right now is restoring your peace. We don't live in anxiety. Even though the storm has passed, it would be ridiculous for us to wake up every morning and, you know, be all high alert, you know, all anxious. It's like, no, the storm's over. Let's move on. And God says, I'm giving you peace to lead you through that. Will you allow God to restore your peace today? Just a sense of calmness and rest to say, God, thank you that we made it through the storm. God, what are you doing in our lives right now? Where is God leading you? What is God doing in your life now? I believe he's making a transition out of the storm and into what he's called you to do. There was ministry that we did in the storm that may need to continue because people are always in a storm, and yet we as the children of God and the ministers of Christ don't live with the storm inside of us. We live with peace. And I think God is restoring people's peace today. Perhaps you're, you're here and you say, you know, this is, I, I get that, but I don't, I don't have that relationship with Christ. I know what you're talking about. I know, I know the peace of God that you're talking about. I've heard it. I, I, I get that and I want that. But every time I try, every time I, I, I make that trying effort to be better and to do better, it just seems like it doesn't work out. And I need God's peace in my life. Not the peace that I can produce, but a peace that God gives me. And God wants to give you that today. That's his desire and plan for all of our lives, is that we not live in a turmoil, but we live in peace. And how can we have peace when we know that our heart is not right with God, our life is not right with God? I remember before I was a Christian, how, how I was just upset that I knew I was not right with God. I mean, I was a, I was a good kid. I mean, that wasn't the deal, but I wasn't right with God. Went to church, but I wasn't right with God. I had actually been water baptized and still wasn't right with God. I thought that would make me right with God. Getting dunked in water is like not going to make you right with God. But having a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, when we come to him and say, God, I accept what Jesus did on the cross for my life, that he paid the ultimate price for all of my sin. Christ paid for all of your sin. So that we come to him and say, God, I'm, I, just, I just ask you to forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. And the penalty that he paid on the cross is more than enough for all of your sin. It is, it is not the cross of Jesus Christ and something you have to offer. It's only the cross of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. It is not by what you can do or what I can do. It's not by my good works or your good works. It is by Christ dying on the cross and paying the price for our sins. 
The Bible says he paid the price for the sin of the whole world on the cross. It's like, it's like writing you a check for salvation. It's like writing you a check for salvation. You got to cash that check. You got to write your name on it and say, I, I am accepting the salvation that God has purchased for me through Jesus Christ. I'm signing that check. Will you sign the check today for salvation? How do you do that? You say, God, please forgive me. Please. Lord, I, I, want, I want you in me. I want to be in you. Lord, I want to live for you the rest of my life. I don't even know how. I don't even know what that means. But Lord, I'm, I want to be right with you from this day forward in my life. God always answers that prayer. God always answers that prayer. That's the prayer he loves to hear. So let's do that right now today, okay?